Hello, you are listening to the Are You Ethical podcast by Sammy Kashi and Nicole Calais. And today I'll be interviewing the famous Greek philosopher Aristotle. Good evening, folks. Might be a few centuries late, but you know what they say, better late than never. Well, sir, we have a couple of questions for you. I'm ready. Introducing the popular question, is there a God? Well, I think... I think there is a God, yet God in my sense emulates all things with order and purpose. For God is a divine existence, thus God, as a pure form, is wholly immaterial. And as perfect as he is unchanging, he cannot become more perfect. Well, I believe there is a God because I was raised in an Orthodox Christian household. I went to a Catholic elementary school and I went to a Catholic high school. So since my whole life has been centered around God, and believing him, this molded me into the person I am today. To ask a question that this is sort of related to the last, do you think people have a soul? Because personally, I feel though, as there is another aspect to us that carries on to the, into the afterlife. Well, I do believe that there is some eternal and imperishable substance. I think that this eternal actual substance must be the single prime mover. I think that there is only one prime mover and this substance does what the highest form of life ought to do, which is to think. Moving on, how do you think we should act? I believe that one should be virtuous to live a life of moral character. Now, you're probably wondering, how does one do so? There are a few virtuous traits that once developed, it will lead to a predictably good behavior. As an example, there are vices, which is the extreme of excess and deficiency. The midpoint of both would be virtue. Hmm, I don't really understand. Well, imagine walking home from school and you see an old lady getting mugged. What is the courageous action that you would take? To stop the robber and protect the lady? Interesting. But let's say the robber is bigger than you in size and you have a few options. Either intervene, call for help, or leave the situation. Now, assess the situation. If you intervene, both you and the victim will be in danger. Thus, the best choice is to call for help as a virtuous person because you're helping someone in need and you're not putting yourself in risk. So what would be the midpoint? Excess and deficiency in this scenario. Now, in this situation, the midpoint would be courage and the extreme of deficiency is cowardness. And then the extreme of excess will be recklessness. It is important to know that a courageous person will always assess the situation and know their ability and take the right action based on their analysis. Okay, I get it now. So one must act on their own abilities, but must not do the most or take no action. Every person must find their balance. Exactly. Thus, to be virtuous is a skill and can only be obtained by experience as it all depends on the situation and the action you take part in. So. Tell me, how do you believe we should act? I've always felt that everyone should act on kindness and good intention. Also, I believe in one rule. No one should steal. Now, to elaborate on stealing, it involves all immoral actions. For example, when you kill someone, you're stealing someone from their life. When you tell a lie, you steal someone's right to the truth. When you cheat, you steal the right to fairness. Thus, to live a good life, one must never steal. Oh, you know, I've never really heard of such before. Very interesting point in terms of morality. But what if someone were to steal medicine because they cannot afford it for their sick mother? Hmm, 
even though I'm sympathetic, even if someone steals for necessary situation, it doesn't make it better. Since in that situation, you're approving of that action, then you're basically universalizing the action, meaning that everyone can steal. So there are no exceptions. No one can tell the truth. You could tell the truth and ask for help instead of stealing. There's a possibility of someone helping and buying that medication. Hmm. Well, I guess I completely understand. Yet, what if the person had already tried to ask and no one helped them? Regardless, stealing would be not the answer as you steer events into a different path. The person can get caught and sent to prison. Then their mother has no one to help her. You know, interesting perspective. So, due to pressing time, we move on to another question. What is good? Well, in my search for the good, I looked for the highest good. I assume that the highest good, whatever it truly is, has three characteristics. It is desirable for itself. It is not desirable for the sake of some other good. And all other goods are desirable for its sake. The good of a human must have something to do with being human. So at the end of the day, if we can just focus on being good people, the right actions will follow effortlessly. What do you think, Sammy? In my opinion, to be good is to do things in God's image. The concept of good denotes the con the conduct that should be preferred when posed with a choice between possible actions. Just like what you told me earlier, to be good is to be virtuous, and for us to be virtuous is to find the balance between the vices. The vices of excess and deficiency are easily to fall into, so one must find the balance between the two. If that is your definition, then what is your definition of bad? Well, um, to me, the definition of bad is essentially the opposite of all the points I made about being good. So moving on, I see people compare these two things a lot. So what do you think is the difference between justice and revenge? Because I think that the difference between justice and revenge lies in the intent. Someone who seeks revenge is doing it for the wrong reasons. They're driven by anger and violence. Also, revenge is not a long-term solution. It is just temporary. Justice, however, is about restoring balance and bringing back equality. It centers on pro uh, proportion as it equates to fairness. Unlike revenge, it is not driven by emotion. It seeks to be objective and even handled as possible. Well, the cardinal virtue of justice requires that we all give people their due. I analyze justice into two sorts, distributive justice and corrective justice. Distributive justice involves dividing benefits and burdens fairly among members of a community. Corrective justice requires us in some circumstances to try to restore fair balance and in interpersonal relations where it has been lost. While with revenge, anger is the motivator. Revenge must include infliction of pain. In order for the act of revenge to be successful, it is not sufficient that the offender suffer, suffers. He must know by whose hand and for what reason he now suffers. People like to say that justice and revenge are similar, but they are very <laughs> much different. Wow, I guess our perspectives match nicely. Anyways, to the next question, do you think we have free will? Well, in my book, Nico McKeon, Ethics the Third, I developed a theory of voluntary and willing action. 
Well, basically, the action has to have its source or cause in the actor. So it cannot be caused by force or ignorance over what is being done. It must be up to the actor. Thus, to a certain extent, we do have free will as the actions are determined by the actor. In my opinion, I think we are products of our environments. I think our actions are imprints on us by the environment. When people do not believe that they are free agents, they stop seeing themselves as blameworthy for their actions. I'm not saying that it's right, but it's the world we live in. Well, I can hear the dogs from my time barking. (laughs) So unfortunately, I will have to leave because my time is up. But it was a pleasure meeting you and being on your podcast. I enjoyed my time on your show, but I have to, you know, blast back to the past. I hope you enjoyed my take on ethics. No, thank you for taking your time to travel to the future so that this interview could happen. You have my ethical stamp of approval. Now, introducing our next guest, my co-host, Nicole, who was not able to help us for the first half of this podcast. But now, she's here. Hello. Okay, we're so glad to have you in today. As we're moving on to our next question, why can't we live forever? So, like, being immortal in a sense? Yeah, basically. Hmm. Well, to put it into simple terms, life would just get boring to the point where we would not like to be immortal. Imagine you run into the possibility of becoming extremely lonely and sad since the significance of relationships will decrease over time. As time passes, by certain events, you'll eventually forget the the events. Like, do you even remember when your life, what your life was like when you were three? Mm, not really, to be honest. Now imagine in a thousand years. You'll probably forget the first 50 years of your life. Also, you'll outlive everyone you cared about. Nah, that sounds horrible. For once to go through life reliving events and seeing the loved ones gone? I know, right? But what if everyone to be, were to be immortal? Wouldn't the world's population fill Earth and cause damage? Oh, of course. Too many people living on Earth would just cause the end of the planet itself by the waste and space each human needs on Earth. For example, look at our world right now. We're already overpopulated. Imagine our world right now, plus no one can die. You know how bad that would be? And the amount of waste? Holy, the greenhouse gases would just increase. There would literally be no space for anyone to even move. Like, imagine that. I know, right? Like, horrible. But all in honesty, immortality does not favor humans' emotions and mental state. The importance of things starts to diminish over time. It just feels super repetitive. Such as romantic relationships. Taken, if you engage in a long-term relationship, you know, once every hundred years, then in a million years, you would have been with at least 
10,000 significant oh others. Imagine how many of those names you'll actually remember. Also, in between each relation, in those hundred years, before you've probably committed to a person, you probably have met other people. Yeah, I know that's crazy. Like, even now, I don't even remember some people's names, and I've only been living for 18 years. Imagine being immortal, I probably only learned my own name. Like, it's so crazy. Oh, no, definitely. But now, get to this into history of the past have not always looked the same as we've gone through different the differences of evolution so let's think that if human if women mates with men who are tall then the population's height average will increase over time thus everyone in the gene pool will be tall which leads to their children to procreate with kids who will be tall so if you're the only one who's immortal, then that leaves you as the only person that's not evolving, creating a difference between the whole uh, population, so you'll just be short. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Also, another physicality consideration is that we can still get hurt and develop scarring. Immortality does not just simply translate to invincibility. It just means we cannot die. Yet, we can live with the pain of injury. We are not guaranteed what condition, what condition we'll be in, but the longer we live, the higher possibility we have of getting injured. That's so true, and we probably would not look exactly the same as scarring is permanent and the possibilities of obtaining a disease also increases. Oh, and our teeth would probably fall off in a hundred or a thousand years no matter how good our dental health is. So imagine just having gummy teeth, like, ugh. Well, personally, I would get veneers. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I would not want to be immortal. Well, okay, let's move on to another question. As we agreed that no one wants to be immortal, how replaceable are you? Well, oh, that's a sad question. But I believe no human being is literally replaceable because... Every person is unique in their own way. Unlike material things that can be easily replaced, you, a human, cannot. The essence of who you really are, your personality, your sense of humor, your beliefs, make you one of a kind. But if we involve cloning, that's a whole different story, bucko. Wow, that was really deep. So here's a strand of my hair, so you could clone me in the future. <laughs> okay, I'll just put it right in my pocket. Mm, well, let's move on to cloning. Like, cloning has happened, and it would mean that our clone would have the same thoughts and personality as us, or just act like a twin with a mind and personality of their own. Like, what do you think? Do you think we'd be like our clone would be this exactly the same, like with the same personality, or no? I don't know, I feel like as cloning does advance, it will eventually create an exact replica of ourselves. Same body, same personality, and the same sense of humor. Hmm, you know it's kind of interesting because I heard about a lamb named Dolly that was cloned, but sadly it died 7 years, and the usual lifespan of lamb ranges from 10 to 12 years. I guess cloning does have its disadvantages as of right now with shortened lifespan. Mm, oh, I guess that's true. But I feel like there'd be a lot of people who would have an issue with this. It's quite the political topic. 
Oh no, definitely. There will with any advancement in technology or science, there will always be a group of people that don't agree with it. But you know what? <laughs> They'll get over it. But anyways, hmm. I don't mind it at all to be honest. As it leads to finding cure to different diseases and for sure it would be an advancement in worldwide medicine wow that is super rad well we can move on to thinking about if cloning would be like good for ourselves like do you think you want to have a clone living with you well honestly in the society that we live in today cloning would not even be available to everyone it would only be available to rich people mm -hmm. like one time i watched a show the name was altered carbon and it sort of dealt with cloning but the only people that were able to clone the rich people also the rich people were able to like, they were able to put their personalities and stuff into other bodies. That's how advanced their cloning got. Like, it can be pretty, it could be you, but in another person's body, if that makes sense. Oh, so it's not like exact cloning, but it's like you're living through someone else, but as yourself. Yeah, that's how advanced it got. That's crazy. But then again, it was only available to the rich people. It's not like poor that's people true. were able to, you know, hey there, guys. I, that wasn't the option, you know? That sort of reminds me of like the topic where you could freeze yourself to like just freeze your whole body, even if you're alive right now, just so you can live in the future. Hmm. Oh, we see, okay, I guess we'll be going into, you know, movies. Because <laughs> this also happened in Austin Powers. He was, um, what's his name? Dr. Evil. <laughs> He put himself into a cryogenic sphere thing and was shot into space and then he was able to live an additional 30 years. You know, at the end of the day, you, they can make all these movies about cloning, all these movies about cryo... whatever it's called. But I don't know. I feel as though cloning is... You know, it's it, and I'm, in theory, it seems cool, but if it were to actually happen, I'd be scared. <laughs> well, scared. And also, what's the point? Who wants to live forever? Right? That's kind of ties in with immortality, too. Because it's like, if you keep on cloning yourself, you could eventually just live forever. And it's kind of weird. It's like, is that really you? Or is that different versions of you throughout time? Well, regardless, as time goes on, you will shift into a different person. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think it's doesn't make sense for our world at the end of the day the world won't even last that long so this is all very useless in Basically. my opinion but i feel like we're always changing no matter what so we're never really the same person mm, yeah you know that that is very true because i'm not the same person i was 10 years ago then again 10 years ago i was you know eight years old <laughs> so obviously there's a lot of growth <laughs> But do you think there's like certain traits that stay with you even if like how it doesn't matter like your age or anything but those traits stay with you forever or they change over time? Mm, well, personally, I was always uh, very talkative and extroverted, you know, for parent-teacher interviews. Every time my mom went, it was always like, you know, she's a good student, but she talks a lot. 
So, you know, obviously, as you can tell by this podcast, you know, I ramble. I talk a lot still. So, I guess some things do stick with you. That's true. But, yeah. I don't know, that's my take. It's like, for me, I'm kind of, like, shy. But I've been shy ever since I was younger, too. <laughs> but, this girl said kind of shy. <laughs> Okay, I'm shy, I'm shy. But I feel like once I get comfortable, that's when I, f- I could talk to someone with like ease. I don't have to like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess I just feel anxious in the beginning, but after I get over it and it's See, all good. Just like me, you're your co-host. <laughs> exactly. Well, sorry for rambling, but sadly our time is up and we have to end our podcast for today. But we'll be back next week. Don't forget to subscribe and click the push notification so that you are alerted every time we post. And thank you for listening to Are You Ethical?